Hi, it's Pastor Iron, the lead pastor of Christ Nations Church. Thank you for listening to our podcast. I pray that something is said to build your faith, starve your doubts, and empower you to live in victory. Now let's go into the message. Matthew 13 and 1 Timothy 6. We're going to go to 1 Timothy 6 first. 1 Timothy 6. There's such a rich presence of the Spirit of God in here this morning. Hallelujah. He is here. He is here. First Timothy 6 and verse number 12 is going to give us our foundational text and our subject this morning. I like subjects because it gives a particular focus. First Timothy 6 and 12 says, very simply, fight the good fight of faith. <laughs> Lay hold on eternal life. War unto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. I want to use as a subject, as a focus this morning, fight the good fight of faith. Say that to yourself, fight the good fight of faith. Now, as you are seated, you may turn over to Matthew 13. Fight the good fight of faith. Uh, you are in the month of August here. We are focusing on the subject of faith for the entire month. <clears throat> and so every service, both Wednesday, midweek Bible study, and Sunday morning services, we will be talking about the subject of faith. The Spirit of God has been leading us or has led us to do so, and this is what we're going to be obedient to do for the entire month. So if you're joining us this month for the first time, welcome to Faith Month where we're going to build, amen, where we're going to preach and teach and minister the word to build your faith uh, in the word of God and build it all month long. I'm believing that by the end of this month, you're going to have a firmer grasp upon faith and the power of faith to change your life. Uh, And so we're going to get into this this morning as the Spirit of God has led me. Fight the good fight of faith. Now, this presents to us some somewhat uncomfortable news for a good portion of us because it takes a particular personality to enjoy fighting. There are some people who like fighting. Yeah, you met them. I got some in my family. They like a good brawl. They like a good fight. They don't mind the contact. They don't mind roughing. <laughs> they don't mind getting rough and roughing it up with people. But that's not every personality. Every personality isn't a fighting personality. Some people are personalities that they would much rather abide in peace. They would much rather live in a state of, of solace and, and, and solitude and, and not have to deal with opposition and contradiction and controversy. They would much rather love to live that way. And so for them, this presents to us some rather disconcerting news because if we're not careful in our 
pantheon and our large library of teaching and preaching on the subject of faith, you can come away with the misconception and the false impression that if I'm going to live by faith, I'm not going to have to fight. Yeah. Then I'm going to name it, claim it, blab it, grab it, and get it. Then I'm never going to have to actually stand for anything, hold my ground about anything. Never going to have to actually go into a state of prayer and sustain and maintain that throughout contradictory circumstances. You can come away with the idea that faith means it's a ticket out of struggle, fighting. But here the Apostle Paul, who is qualified beyond any, any one of us <laughs> to talk about it, says to Timothy, the young pastor, fight the good fight of faith. Now, he does add an adjective. He says it's good. <laughs> he says it's a good fight. He doesn't say it's a bad one. In other words, it's a fight that you want to engage in. It's a fight that you want to wage. Right? And so he says it's a good fight, but it's a fight nonetheless. Now, some believers have read that verse that says fight the good fight, and they didn't see anything about fighting faith. They just saw fight. And since their personalities who like to fight, they just start fighting everybody. <laughs> fighting everything. Fighting preachers, fighting pastors, fighting one another, just fighting. But no, the Bible tells me specifically, fight the good fight of faith. So this tells me that my faith life will have opposition. That I'm going to have to fight, even with 66 books of promises, even with God's word declared over my life. Even with every promise of prosperity, every promise of blessing, every promise of health, wealth, and well-being, with every one of those things, I'm still going to have to engage in a fight. Why? Because I have an enemy. And he's not going to let me live this life without a fight. So if I am a personality given to solace and peace non-controversial, don't want to get into any type of dust-ups or, or rolls with anything or anybody, I'm going to find this somewhat uncomfortable because he's telling me that regardless of your personality type, regardless of your disposition, you'd better be prepared to fight. <laughs> you'd better be ready to put your dukes up. You'd better be prepared to throw a few blows, dodge a few if necessary, absorb some. You got to be ready to fight. Because you're not going to walk into the promised land or the land of promises without opposition. Didn't the children of Israel have the same disposition? They stare out over Canaan's land. They send in spies, and they go out over Canaan's land, and they look, and they see the land that God promised them, and the land that God promised them is exactly like God said. It's not false advertisement. God tells them exactly what it is. They go look at it. They see it, and it's exactly as he said, but there's a problem. The grapes are the size, he said. 
The milk and honey is just like he said. The produce is just like he said. The expanse of it is just like he said. But he didn't tell us <laughs> that the sons of Anak were there. He didn't tell us about Jebusites and Hivites and Hittites and all the other sites. But there were some other things present that were oppositional. And so the children of Israel were put in a position. Either we're going to be willing to fight for what is promised or we're going to cower and go back to Egyptian bondage. And many of them took up a, a democratic vote, a majority rule, and said, give us a captain. Let's elect a leader and let's go back. Let's go back. Because they were not of the disposition that wanted a fight. But Caleb and Joshua, the Bible says, were of a different spirit. They didn't mind a fight. Why? Because they knew the fight, watch this, was a good one. <laughs> they knew it was a good fight. What is a good fight? It's a fight in which God is fighting with and for you. That's a good fight because if God is with me and God is for me, that means the fight is tilted in my favor. The fight is fixed. So the betting line is on me in Vegas. <laughs> because God is for me and he's on my side so it's a good fight of faith so you're going to have to be willing to fight what are we going to have to fight so let's get into this I want you to turn to Matthew 13 hallelujah I want to encourage you this morning that this is not going to be a long-winded message because my entire notes are on an index card so that means when I get to the end, I'm done. We always say that as preachers, but of course, there's a whole lot. It's like reading a verse of scripture. You know what I'm saying? You read one verse, but then you're there all night long. <laughs> Praise God. Matthew 13, verse number 19. Let's hear the words of our Lord and Savior. Praise your name, Jesus. It says, hear ye therefore... We're beginning with verse 18, I'm sorry. <laughs> I did that to you again, Adrian. It says, hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone, anyone heareth the word of the kingdom. Stop for a moment. Now, what do we know about faith? I'm assuming some of you, you've heard so many messages about faith, so we're kind of starting faith in the middle. I'm going to assume and appeal to your intelligence that you know some things already about faith. So you know faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. So he says, therefore, if any man heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which received seed by the wayside. But he that received seed into stony ground or stony places or rocks the same is he that heareth the word, and a nun with joy receives it. Yet hath he no root or not root in himself, but he endures for a while. 
For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, by and by, he is offended. He also that receives seed among the thorns, or heard the word, is he that heareth the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. But he that receiveth seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word, understands it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some an hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. So in other words, he's fruitful. He is productive. Now notice a few things here in this particular parable Jesus is teaching. In Mark chapter 4, it contains the same parable. And in Mark's writing, Mark denotes that Jesus says, if you don't understand this parable, how will you understand all parables? So in Mark's writing, he denotes that Jesus puts emphasis on this as a preeminent parable to say, if you get this or if you don't get this, how will you understand anything else of the kingdom that I teach you? And so this parable is prominent and preeminent and should be in our understanding as it pertains to the life of faith. Because what you're going to find in this particular parable is that good fight that Paul is talking about in Timothy. So let's, let's examine this. Notice the scripture calls word, God's word, a seed. It likens God's word to a seed and it therefore likens your heart to soil ground now if anybody has done any form of farming you know that tilling the ground putting the seed in the ground even watering it is not the end of the story If you're going to bring forth a harvest, you're going to have to fight. You're going to have to contend with some stuff. You're going to have caterpillars, bugs, and pests. You're going to have weeds. You're going to have the conditions in the environment that you planted the seed in. You're going to have some things to contend with to get that seed to come up out of the ground and bear fruit. It's not going to just do it because it should. Now, within the seed is the power to produce after its own kind. In the, I'm going to say that again. In the seed is the power to produce after its own kind. So you don't, when you, when you plant, uh, what's something everybody likes? Let's see, uh, tomatoes. We, we got a show enough country man in the house. Tomatoes and cucumbers and all of that good stuff. Oh, boy. Lions, tigers, bears. Oh my. So, so we take the tomato seed. You don't have to encourage the tomato seed to become tomatoes. The genetic content in the seed is to produce tomatoes. It does not need encouragement. 
The power to be a tomato is in the seed. So I put the seed in the ground and I'm planting tomatoes. I can take a sign that has a fully ripened tomato on it and stick it in the ground to let everybody know there are tomatoes in this soil, even without seeing the tomatoes. I don't have to see the tomato at all. All I know is I put the seed of a tomato in the ground, so I got tomatoes. With time, with watering, with fighting a little bit, with keeping things out of it to destroy it, it's going to produce tomatoes or tomatoes. You say tomato, I say tomato. So tomatoes are coming. It is the job of the ground to germinate the seed to become what it is. God's word, like that seed planted in your heart, needs no encouragement to produce after its kind. When you hear the word of the kingdom concerning your family, when you hear the word of the kingdom concerning your finance, when you hear the word of the kingdom concerning your health, when you hear the word of the kingdom concerning your children, when you hear the word of the kingdom concerning your purpose from God, when you hear the word of the kingdom planted in your heart, it doesn't need encouragement to produce after its kind. What it needs is time and a good fighting farmer. It needs a husbandman or woman who will guard it, protect it, and fight back all of the enemies and the adversaries that will try to watch this dick it up before it comes to fruition. <laughs> so this morning, as you hear the word of God, for your life, you're going to have to adopt the disposition of a Joshua and Caleb, and you're going to have to decide you're going to be a fighter. You're going to have to decide you're going to be a fighter. You're going to have to decide that you're going to stand in front of your little pea patch that you've sown, that your seed that you've sown in the ground, and you're going to fight for your seed. You got to make that decision right now because what I'm about to show you is the absolute, because it comes from Jesus, it doesn't come from me. We're going to show you the absolute tactic of the enemy to dig up the word of the kingdom that you've heard in your life. You're about to get the cheat sheet. You're about to get the cheat code. You're about to get it right now. I'm about to hand, it's on this index card. That looked like some of the cheat sheets y'all used to have in school, ain't it? Y'all used to write cheat, yeah, y'all know you used to cheat. You're too happy about that, brother, brother Ives. You're too, I mean, you were just rejoiced at that. You know, I was like, yeah, that was me, man. Was, <laughs> hey, I'm, I ain't mad at you, Jeff. You know it. I'm not mad at you at all. <laughs> but we're going to give you the cheat code. We're going to give you the cheat code this morning by the Spirit of God, and you're going to learn how to fight. 
the word of the kingdom. Child of God, if you're going to grow, bring to fruition the word of the kingdom into manifestation in your life, you're going to have to realize it will only happen by intention. You have to intend, watch this now, to be blessed. I know it sounds like an oxymoron. You have to intend to walk in health. You have to intend to have a healthy home. You have to intend on living purpose and destiny. Haven't you noticed the only thing that grows without intention are weeds? Haven't you noticed that? You don't have to water a weed. You don't have to want a weed. They just show up. <laughs> like there's some other type of planter out there. But if you want a poinsettia, you want a daisy, you want a lily, you want a rose, you want a plant that will actually add some value to yourself, your life, your home, whatever it is, you're going to have to plant that thing and you're going to have to intend on it growing. Nothing good grows in negligence. So this morning, not only are you going to have to be a fighter, you're going to have to determine you're going to be intentional. You're going to be intentional. You're going to be intentional. Let's get into it. Jesus says to us, and there are three things we're going to cover. We're going to go through three aspects of this. Jesus says to us in verse 19, when anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understands it not... Then cometh the wicked one and catches away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which received seed by the wayside. Write down wayside, like the side of the road, like just wayside. It really, it really denotes seed that doesn't ever get planted. It's like seed that's just on the top of the ground. I think one other writer talks about the birds come along and they, they eat it up. Well, a bird can't eat it if it's not on the ground. A bird don't really dig. If he, if he sees a worm that's kind of halfway available, he will. But he doesn't just dig deep to eat. He eats right off the top of the ground. You ever seen a chicken just sit there and pluck off the top of the ground? You know, we love chicken, but chicken's some of the nastiest little birds. I'm telling you, they, man. And I know we love chicken, but chickens, are, man, they something. They savage. <laughs> it's something else but chicken they'll sit there and they eat off the top of the ground they don't they don't necessarily dig or work for the food so they eat off the top of the ground so here he's talking about something that really was never planted it's just wayside it spilled along the side it didn't get in the soil and he says that's the person who hears the word of the kingdom and they don't understand it they never understood it this is the person 
that they come to church, they turn on the tape, they turn on the CD, they listen to the MP3, they join the live, but they don't get it. (laughs) They never come into agreement with the word of the kingdom. So they hear what the word of the kingdom says about their marriage, but they won't agree with it. They hear what the word of the kingdom has to say about them financially, but they won't agree with it. Neither do they understand it. They don't get it. They can't conceptualize it. They can't receive it or take it in. And it says, this person that understands not what they hear, the wicked one comes immediately. He comes immediately. And he scoops away what was presented to them. Because they didn't understand it. Number one thing you're going to have to be intentional about, number one thing you're going to have to fight against, is what is found in Hosea 4 and 6. Where in Hosea 4 and 6 it says, For the lack of knowledge, my people perish. The lack of knowledge. Most of the casualties in the kingdom of God are casualties of ignorance. They don't know. This is why ministry gifts are important. This is why churches and church families are important. This is why the preaching of the gospel is important. Because you cannot believe for what you do not know. Faith begins where the will of God is known. I can't believe if I don't know. And so we have to be people who are intentional about knowledge. We have to be intentional about understanding the word of the kingdom. We have to be intentional about meditating in the word of God so that I know the will of God for me in any given area of my life. I know the word of the kingdom. I don't just come to church and sit glazed over waiting for the benediction, but I'm intentional about understanding the word of the kingdom because if I don't understand it, the wicked one is coming and he's going to make sure he takes Whatever was presented to you. See, that's how you stand in church and you sit there and then you walk outside and you go to work the next morning and you can't find anything you heard in church on Sunday morning. They never conceive it. You hear the word of the kingdom for your character and the way you should behave and the way you should act. And you never understand the word of the kingdom. You never conceive the word of the kingdom. You never agree with the word of the kingdom. Then you go out, and as soon as you get in traffic and somebody cuts you off. Or you go to the restaurant, and the server gets the order wrong. Or when those bill collectors call you, and you actually do owe them. You actually do. Like, you really owe them. But then you get mad at them for wanting to collect. See, the enemy has come and he took the word of the kingdom concerning your character and he stole it from you because you didn't understand it or you didn't stand under it. 
Look at somebody and say, stand under what you hear. <laughs> the number one thing that we're going to have to fight against if we're going to walk by faith or live by faith is we're going to have to fight against ignorance, the lack of knowledge. We're going to have to be people of the Word of God, and we're going to have to be intentional about understanding the Word of God because we can't even get started if we don't understand it. It's wayside. It's on the side of the road. It doesn't even get planted. It doesn't go in. And regardless of whether you know it or not, this is, in many cases, the real issue presently in the church. You know exposure to something doesn't mean understanding. Right? You, know, you, you do know. <laughs> I can be exposed to truth that I do not understand. I can be exposed to teaching that I don't ever conceive. I can be exposed to things that I do not take in. I can sit there and see, I can sit in church for 20 plus years and not understand the word of the kingdom. Never get the word of the kingdom. Never take in the word of the kingdom. And so every week I'm faced with this issue where the wicked one comes and he takes what was attempted to be sown. Verse 20. Let's move on to number two. But he that received the seed into stony places, the same is he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receives it. He gets excited about it. He actually understands it. Yet, he doesn't have any root in himself. So he endures for a while. And look at this. When tribulation or persecution arises because of the word. Because of the word. Because of the word. By and by, he is offended. The word offended means he's tripped up, he stumbles. He says the person who receives in stony places actually understands the word. So they conceive it. They conceive it enough to where they have joy from hearing it. They get excited about what they heard. The only way you get excited about what you heard is if you understood it, if the light came on for you. You're like, oh, I got it. And the word of the kingdom for any area of their life, they hear the word of the kingdom, and they get stirred and excited about it because they understand it. So this word of the kingdom is actually planted. It's not wayside. It's not on the top of the ground. This got in. So now that the seed is actually in the soil, Satan has to change his approach. <laughs> because now this person has received the potentiality of the word. And the word has found its home, which is the human heart. And if you leave God's word in a human heart, it's going to come to pass. 
You do know the destination of God's word is his children's heart. He didn't give us that word to be on your mantle or your fireplace or your nightstand. No, 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 not in a mausoleum or a museum somewhere where we, oh, the, one of the great books of our time, the Bible. No, that's not where it's supposed to be. His word, the destination of the Father's word is the hearts of his children. I will write my word in their heart. And when word of God meets heart of children, it produces. Because it's a seed that's found its ground. So this is seed that is sown. With joy, I understand it. I got it. I'm excited about it. So Satan now has to change his tactic when it comes to trying to dig up the word of the kingdom. So this time... He could not blind you to the knowledge. He couldn't keep you from understanding it. He couldn't keep you in the dark of ignorance. It actually got in. So now he changes his tactic. And because of what you have heard, received, and been sown, he starts to pressure and persecute you. He brings tribulation. Notice the scripture says, because... There are things sometimes that happen in your life because of what you've heard. (laughs) Oh, my God. I tell you, this is a cheat code. Because now that you know this, you won't be moved. There are things that, that pop off in your life sometimes because of what you've heard. That washing machine was working fine. You started hearing the word of the kingdom about your financial well-being. You got that word in your heart. That car was working just fine. All changed routinely. Check all of the, the fluids. You kept that thing. You've been a good steward. Everything's been working good. You hear the word of the kingdom concerning your financial well-being. And wouldn't you know, this joker won't crank. That washing machine is just dancing and whoa, 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 whoa. now it's breaking down. Now all of a sudden I find out my husband didn't spend money buying a boat. And we heard the word of the kingdom about having a happy marriage. And because of what you heard, that knucklehead went out and did something. <laughs> I'm trying to make this practical. Just sit there and act like it doesn't apply to you. If you want to, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep preaching. Keep preaching, Pastor Ivan. You're doing good. You're doing great. No. Encourage yourself in the Lord. But because, Jesus does not mince words with us. He says, because of the word. These things come because. See, certain tribulation, certain persecution, sometimes certain fallout in relationships come because of what you've heard. And see, this is what people don't understand about joining a church where the word is preached by revelation and by the spirit of God. Because, see, you get exposed to the opportunity to hear. So, therefore, when you leave here, you run into a lot of persecution. Tribulation. People say things. People slander. People question. People pressure you. 
Why are they doing that? Because of what you've heard. Satan comes for the seed. Because he knows if the seed stays in the ground and is cared for and is nurtured and watered, that seed is going to produce, once again, tomatoes. You don't have to encourage tomatoes to be tomatoes. Plant the seed in the ground, protect it, guard it. It's going to come up. You hear the word of the kingdom in your life, you protect it, you nurture it. That word is going to produce in your life. It's going to come to pass in your life. And so Satan must discourage you. So he comes with persecution, pressure. And Jesus says these are people who succumb to pressure and persecution. These are people who are like stony soil. You ever tried to plant something in, in, a, in a soil that had lots of rocks? You get that hole or you get that shovel and you get in there, and you hit a rock. You maybe got that deep. Well, you can't plant nothing in nothing that shallow. So when it's talking about stony ground, it's talking about shallow soil. There's not a lot of soil. There's too many rocks. So therefore, whatever you plant will not be able to develop roots that go deep enough to keep the plant stable and so it can draw nutrients from the soil. So you can come along later because the ground is so shallow and you can just pull the thing out the ground. Because there's no depth. There's no depth. And he says the people who succumb to the pressure of persecution and tribulation are people that don't have much depth. Stony ground is a hypersensitive person. You're sensitive to pressure. You're sensitive to slander. You're sensitive to opinion. You're sensitive about how you appear to others. Sensitive about what people say about you. And because you're sensitive and you're, you're open to that, Satan uses this as a tactic to, to <laughs> keep the word of the kingdom from developing root in your life. Child of God, can I tell you, a little news flash, if you're sensitive, you're not going to be good at this. <laughs> Can I just be plain? So a pastor has to be plain. I got to take care of your soul. I watch for you. If you're sensitive, you're not going to make it. Didn't Paul just say fight the good fight? You're going to have to be a fighter. And if you're sensitive, you know, you can't be swinging like this. Stop. <laughs> Stop. You know what I'm saying? 
You can't be, you, you, you can't be hidden with this part of your fist. Stop. You get what I'm saying, though. I know you do. You see the concept. You cannot be a sensitive fighter. If everything bothers you, if what your friends and family say to you and persecute you over what you hear, if that moves you, you're not going to bring the word of the kingdom to harvest. If you're bothered by what you hear on the news and you're always bothered by what they're saying over here and what they're saying over there, you're not going to be able to be a good farmer of the word of the kingdom. You're going to have to get thick skin. Or you're going to be that Christian that comes to church in your heart. You have a good heart. You have good intention. Then you're going to hear the word of the kingdom and you're going to get excited from Sunday after Sunday. You're going to be full of joy. You're going to actually conceive the seed, but you're never going to be able to bring it to fruition because you never can get over what they said and you never can get over what they did and you never can get past what. You got to get those stones out of your soil. Got to get those rocks out of there. Well, you know, they didn't speak to me this Sunday, so I'm not going back. Really? Really? Now, why does that happen? You, because you sense it. But why is it happening? Because of what you've heard. They spoke to you last Sunday, but now you've heard something, and all of a sudden, here it comes, an opportunity for offense, because Satan's got to dig up the word of the kingdom. He's got to dig it up. He's got to get it out of there. He's got to get it out of your heart. He's got to get it out of you. I got to get that seed up because I have no defense against that seed. I can't stop that seed. And if that person holds on to the word of the kingdom in that area of their life, they're going to produce. And he has found that it is quite effective to persecute people who are of the personality where they are sensitive. Number three. Verse number 22 says, he also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. So Satan has another tactic. If I cannot persecute them because they are not sensitive. They're not given to that. You know, some of you are hard-headed people. And I mean that in the positive. I believe it was God speaking to Jeremiah, I think maybe even Ezekiel. He said, I'm going to make your head hard to their persecution. Sometimes there's a good hard-headedness. That you know you can't get in there. You can say what you want, but I'm hard-headed. I'm going to stand on the word. I'm going to believe the word of God. There is a good side to being hard-headed. Amen? And so some of us are like that. We're not sensitive. You can't move us with persecution. You can bring up tribulation and distress and things happen, but we can look beyond that and look not at the things we're just seen. We can hold on to the word of the kingdom, and we can stand our ground. So Satan says, hmm, 
that don't work. They've understood it. They have it in their hearts. They're not susceptible to persecution. Let's try tactic number three. Let's bring about the care of the world. Oh, my goodness. Let's bring about the deceitfulness of riches. And let's attempt to smother the word. Let's choke it with these things. Care of the world. Concern and worry about your status, about your stuff, about your upkeep. And for others, you're keeping up. You cannot, child of God, worry and believe. I'm going to let that, as they say, marinate. <laughs> you cannot worry and believe. You cannot <laughs> worry and have faith. Those two do not coexist. Now, you can have thoughts of doubt in your head with faith in your heart. That you can do. But I'm talking about the worry that you and I are acquainted with. To where you and I worry. Some, I mean, some of us have a Ph.D. in it. I mean, you got a doctorate in worry. Some of us worry about how much we worry. Have you ever seen a worrier that worries about how much they worry? Say, I'm just worried. I just worry so much about him. I just worry about my child. I just worry so much about him. I'm just tired of worrying about him. I worry about him all the time. And they worried about their worry. You can't have faith in a heart like that. Why? Because that type of care, what, is, what did Jesus say? It chokes the word of the kingdom. Yeah, smothers it, suffocates it. Worry will overcome the light of understanding you have received concerning the word of the kingdom. And worry is one of the reasons why you see a lot of Christian people, once again, good people, love Jesus. They Holy Ghost feel, tongue-talking, love Jesus people who get so consumed with worry that they, they could have walked with God for many years. And you will see them behaving in a manner that is inconsistent with where they should be. You see people even nowadays, been in the kingdom of God, been in the word of God, been in church, and now they don't even believe in God anymore. Well, I'm questioning my faith, and they were on fire for God. They loved Jesus. They had great hearts. How did they get there? Worry. Anxiety. Fear. Worry will choke out the light of the kingdom. To the point you will live like somebody who has never heard it. 
And so Satan comes with the care of this world, has you all tied up with what you you worrying about, your status, you worrying about your Instagram account, you worrying about making money, you worrying about being famous, you worrying about being liked, you're worrying about your business, you're worrying about your home, you're worrying about your marriage, you're worrying about your children, you're worrying about yourself, you're worrying about your looks, you're worrying about your money, you're worrying about your time, you're worrying about everything. And your entire life is focused on the world and what you can get in this world. Now, Jesus says in Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom and its righteousness. And what did he say? He said, and all these things shall be added unto you. Jesus wants to add to you. But he cannot add to you when you're in worry. That's when you attempt to add to yourself. So you know what the word of the kingdom says about it, but you're going to do it your way. Because worry makes you selfish. Worry... I, you know, I have to tell people this because I know we're dealing in this time of, of mental uh, illness and we're, well, we're talking about mental illness all the time. We're talking about it so much we're about to give people mental illness even if they don't have it. <laughs> Dear Lord, they're just talking about it over and all the time. All, it's mental illness. Have you had your mental illness check? You had mental illness. And they keep talking about it and talking about it and talking about it and talking about it. And I'm like, <laughs> especially with this generation. Yeah. Hey, can I take a side journey for a second? Y'all don't mind. I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> but, uh, you know, sometimes in this generation, we act as though we, we, we're just enduring some of the worst things ever. Now, when I drive around, and my wife and I have had a chance to get out and do some things during the summer with our children, and when I drive around, I see all of these hiring signs. I mean, people are hiring, and they're putting in on the signs, hiring at all positions. Like, they're like, look, in other words, just, just come inside, uh, fill out an application, and we're likely to call you. <laughs> you know, that, that's really what they're saying. When they're saying hiring all positions, they mean, look, guys, look, it's, it's thin. It's thin. And so you got people hiring. You got all, all, all of this. And, and, I, and I sit back and I listen to people talk like they have no opportunities. Like there's nothing available. Like, 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 like they have never been faced with the type of economic situation. Uh, no, nobody's ever faced what they're facing. Yeah. And, and they, 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 they never were alive during the Great Depression. They don't have bread lines. We're not there yet. If we keep acting a fool in our government, we might, we might get there. But we don't have bread lines yet. We got hiring signs. That's a good sign. That means, hey, I don't have a job. They hiring. I go in. It's real easy. It's like, which hand is the marble in? <laughs> Seriously. And see, we're so ignorant of history, and we're sitting up putting on ourselves. We're, adopt, we're making up drama. We're creating it. Just be honest about it. We, we got a whole lot of shadow boxing in this generation. 
You're fighting something that ain't even there. And some of it comes because of how much abundance we have. You see, in the midst of true success and abundance, there is a loss of excuse to the person who hasn't achieved. So in their hubris, they will attempt to make up barriers. Because you're too lazy to get your lazy self out there and do something. Get up and do something. Amen. But we, we, we're into this mental thing and we're mental illness and we're talking about all this stuff. You know what I've discovered? Depression is a over-preoccupation with self. You want out of depression? Go serve. Well, Pastor Iron, you don't understand. See, once again, you're trying to get me to understand you. You're trying to draw me into you. You're trying to get me to understand what you are dealing with. And I get that. I understand that. We have compassion and love for people. But when you become overly occupied with yourself, it's going to create depression because God did not create us to be occupied with self. He wanted to take care of us while we were lovers of one another. You got to get out of yourself. You got to get out of yourself. (laughs) Worry smothers the word. Cares of this world. And if it's not the cares of the world, it's the deceitfulness of riches. Oh, my God. The deceitfulness of riches, the chasing of status and money, carnal ambitions, everybody being on their grind, as they say, on their hustle, trying to make money, trying to get what I deserve. Do you truly want to know what you deserve? You don't want, you don't want Pastor Peter to tell you what, myself included, what we all deserve. You don't deserve nothing. I guarantee you there is somebody in a worse condition working circles around you right now in the same field you're in. Work in circles around you with less. Work in circles around you. You're talking about what you deserve. Please. We deserved hell. That's what we deserved. You're going to get what you believe God for. And you trust him about. Because that's what he wants you to do. Come to him. Let him do the adding. Add. Let him, let him be the God of addition to your life. That's what he wants to be. But when you get into that deceitfulness of riches, man, you start, cha- you start chasing all this status and chasing all this stuff and chasing all these things. You're not doing it based on God said. You're doing it based on your own ambition. Now, see, this is the problem. Notice Jesus calls it the deceitfulness of riches. So, in other words, the pursuit of these things has a deception. There's a deceit to it. And the deception is that if you attain these things, then your life is going to be good. 
The deceitfulness of riches is that riches will answer your problems. That's the deceit. That's the deception. You think if I get it, if I can just get enough, I'm going to be good. That's the deception of the enemy. He's telling you all the time, oh, if you could just get more money, if you could just get this, and you could just get that, if you could just get this, if you, if you, could, if you, could, if you could blow up, <laughs> you're going to have it. That's a deception. That's a deception. You're not going to be all good. It ain't going to be all good. And this ain't Bible. What I'm about to say ain't Bible. <laughs> but I believe it was the book of P. Diddy. Chapter 1, verse 2. Like I said, it ain't Bible. But he said, and I believe I quote, more money, more problems. Now, I don't know what the young man believes, but I'm here to tell you what he said is profoundly true. If you're doing it according to this world system. What does the Bible say? The Bible says, Proverbs 10, the blessing of the Lord maketh rich and does what? Addeth no sorrow. Now, why would God go as far as to differentiate what his blessing adds, not adding sorrow, from you being able to achieve it your own way? Because he's trying to let you know that if you attempt to do this outside of the kingdom... You're going to have sorrow. You think being a millionaire would just cure all your problems. Please. Please. This whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. You've got multi-million dollar men jumping out of third story buildings. Come on. It's deceptive. But it's the tactic the enemy uses to dig up the word of the kingdom so that you don't stay loyal to the word. Because God, in his word, he's going to add it to you. But the sorrow won't be with it. And isn't that what the world is looking for? The world is looking for people who are blessed without sorrow. Because when they look around, they got plenty of sorrow. I know that they don't show these pictures on Instagram. Like, nobody, nobody takes a photo of themselves on Instagram at night when they're laying in their bed crying. Nobody takes that picture and says, I was about to take my life last night, and I'm a millionaire. They don't put that caption on there, do they? No, that's not the one you see. And because you don't see it, you don't think it's so. But the Bible tells me what's so in this world. This world system will never add anything to you that it does not take from you. That's just the way it is. That's, that's the way it's set up. The only way you're going to escape it is through the word of the kingdom. But the only way you're going to bear the fruit of the word of the kingdom is you're going to have to be willing to fight for what you hear. Hallelujah. Verse 23, but he that receiveth seed into the good ground is he that hears the word, understands it. So he hears it, he understands it, which also bears fruit, brings forth some 160, 30-fold. So this person who is good ground, or this good ground, 
you can come away believing that in some kind of way that's a special person. Like, oh, man, that, that's, just, that's some good ground people. Man, I'm not a good ground person. I'm stony, or I'm this, or I'm that. No, 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 no. That's not what this is. There's no special uh, respecter of persons. The good ground is simply the man or the woman who does not succumb to the previous three things. That's it. The good ground is the person who hears, understands, who's not sensitive and shallow, who doesn't give in to the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches. They get their focus on the word of the kingdom. They nurture the word of the kingdom, and they bring forth fruit. So the word of the kingdom begins to change their conduct, begins to change their behavior, begins to change the words of their mouth. Because the word of the kingdom is in their heart. And now it's planted, and because it's planted, it's going to bring forth a harvest. So in here this morning, you've been exposed to the word of the kingdom. You're hearing right now. Now, what you're hearing is not so much a promise for your life. Those you can get anytime. You can open your Bible, open your word, and you can get a promise. But just know I've given you by the Spirit of God the cheat code so that you know when you get a promise from God, this is what's about to happen. Oh, yeah, he's coming. Yeah, he's coming. He's coming. Anybody teaching you that a life of faith means a life you just don't have to put up with anything, and they don't understand a life of faith. They got their mind on trying to make money or something. That, 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 that ain't it. If you're, going, if you're going to walk the lifestyle of faith, then you're going to have to be a fighter. You're going to have to stand your ground. You're going to have to learn how to throw a real punch. You're going to have to learn how to really stand on the word of the kingdom. And you're going to have to get rid of that timidity. You're going to have to get rid of all that, that fear and that, oh, I don't know if I want. No, 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 no. You're going to have to be willing to engage because the enemy is going to come because you've got the one thing he has no defense for. He can't stop you. He can't stop you. You plant the word in your heart. Let it get into your conduct. Let it come out of your mouth. You take care of it, you, 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 you nurture it, and it's going to come to pass. You're going to have the life that's in that book. Are you up for the task? Do I have some fighters in here? You're going to fight the good fight? Amen. I don't, I don't want to catch you out there, and, and, and I don't, I don't, I don't want to see that. I don't want to see it. Yeah, but you don't understand, Pastor. You don't understand. Get on out there. Sometimes the best voice, I'm telling you, the, the greatest voice you need to hear is somebody who will not compromise with you when you whine it. Amen. Oh, no, Pastor, I just don't understand. Oh, hush. Get on back out there. You know, you do it with your kids, but you don't want it done to you. Oh. No, you get on back out there. You, you can't quit. You can't be no quitter. You got to get on back. Go on back out there and bat again. Yeah, you struck out, but go ahead and do it again because you can do it. You can do it, Johnny. I know you can do it. And Johnny, Johnny, choke up on the bat. No, no, no. Just choke up on the bat. You're going to get it, baby. Go ahead and do it. No, you can't quit. And you do that all day long. But when I come to you and say, don't quit. 
Get on back out there. Keep confessing the word. Keep standing on the word of God. Keep serving. Keep being faithful. Well, Pastor, but you don't understand. I just want to. <laughs> What's good for little Johnny is good for big Johnny. And Big Janet, <laughs> it's good for you too. Get on back out there and continue to fight the good fight. Because it's going to come to pass for you. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. The word of the kingdom. Thank you, sir. The word of the kingdom. Every eye closed for a moment. I want you to think about right now your own particular life, your family. Thank you for joining the podcast. If you were blessed and encouraged by what you heard, we invite you to share this message and subscribe in your favorite podcast app. Be sure to visit ChristNations.com for all the latest messages and happenings with our ministry and engage with us on all our social media platforms on Facebook at CNCTXK and on YouTube at Christ Nations Church. We look forward to connecting with you. And remember, one word from God can change your life forever.